0: It's Casey shining on with a little health and happiness. Today, we will shine on by ignoring the labels others have for us. The author of the book Limitless is here. And we'll hear from a young woman who is bringing death into life with pre-planning options that will surprise you. You can turn your ashes into an hourglass. Have you heard that? But first, hear some words of inspiration from our first guest. You don't need to trust a world you can't control, just trust yourself to do your best to get through it. It is my honor to introduce from Canada a former school teacher turned rapper, Kanwar Singh. How did he become Humble the Poet?
1: By making a lot of mistakes and having some free time to think about those mistakes deeply. So what happened was I used to be a school teacher, I was teaching in the third grade, uh, eight-year-olds. And I used to do spoken word poetry and hip-hop music on the side, you know, something for fun, a great way to, you know, meet girls, just a little creative outlet, you know, something that I just considered harmless and I wasn't taking it serious. And slowly it grew, and uh, I started to build a local name and get a little popular locally in Toronto, uh, where I'm from. And an opportunity came for me to become full-time and sign a record deal, you know, which is every music artist's dream. And so, you know, without doing any due diligence, I, I quit my job, I, I moved out of my parents' house, took, moved into an apartment I owned, and uh, spent a year making music, thinking this money from this music deal was going to come any moment, and it didn't. And so what ended up happening was, uh, I got myself in about $80,000 of debt, I had no way to earn any money, and I just found myself just drowning in negativity, misery, you know, blaming the world, a lot of self-pity and I had no idea what to do. And I spent a lot of time uh, making the wrong decisions, staying in bed, self-medicating, and then eventually I think when I kind of healed from the betrayals that came from the people I worked with, and some of the heartbreak that I was experiencing, and some of the trauma I was dealing with, just being completely broken, feeling like I was drowning, uh, I kind of got up and said, you gotta figure something out, and no no one's gonna come save the day until you start to save your own day. And part of that process, you know, to help me, you know, kind of go through some sort of therapy was write. So I just began writing all the lessons that I was learning. And a lot of the lessons had to do with taking responsibility, you know, managing my expectations of myself and the world, um, understanding the roots of my anxieties. And I just kept writing until what I wrote actually felt good and it didn't feel like something empty or a hollow Tumblr quote and uh, I began sharing that with my community on Facebook and the moment I shared it it immediately connected with a large audience and my audience began began to grow and they started telling me to write a book I never thought about that ever and uh, I took I started collecting my writings and then I put the book together and uh, I actually published it independently first through crowdfunding in my community you know, they, they taught me how to use the software to to build the book, they taught me how to raise funds, they taught me how to get the book on Amazon, and then once the book was released, uh, you know, it, it just kept growing, and then it became a bestseller in Canada once I, I signed with the publisher there, and now I signed with HarperCollins, uh, HarperOne, out here in the United States, and it just continues to grow, and it's been a fantastic journey, and along the way, all these mistakes that i've been making i've been documenting and sharing and really trying to see the value in the mistakes that we make because they're all lessons you know, you know? and the road to success is paved in failures failure is not the opposite of success is what we use to get there and um you know that's kind of where i've gotten to with this and opening my heart my ears and my eyes and my mind to, you know, learning from every situation I encounter. It's, it's been such an enriching experience.
0: You know, and I think there's an angel somewhere saying that made the connection to get you that record deal. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, because I would never have left my job otherwise. And the record deal turned out to be fraudulent so I didn't even get the deal. And when I was going through it, it felt like the worst thing I had ever done which was leave my job to pursue a dream. And I was just kind of kicking myself and living in regret. But I mean, now, you know, it's been quite a few years and, and things, you know, I'm so quick grateful. Things are so much better now. In the beginning, I looked at that person as the pain of my existence. And I was like, this person I trusted as a friend, they took me down this road and and brought me a lot of hardship. But I realized that I would have never, ever, you know, had the nerve to to pull the trigger and leave this job and and go out on my own had had this opportunity not come. So uh, it turned out to be fraudulent, but it's probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to
0: Yeah, and it being fraudulent was part of the deal that made you go where you went, so you could come back to where you
1: are. Exactly, and you know it was a, it was a blessing in disguise, and it was a very 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 empty disguise. Yeah, but um, I'm 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 very grateful for it. And now when I move forward and I, I hit other challenges, you know, because life will always give us challenges. You know, you solve one problem, you're gonna create another. We're we're all signed up for that. You know, endless challenges in life. And now I view them with a a healthy optimism. I'm like, hey, if you got through that, you were able to, you know, turn those lemons into lemonade. You can do the same with anything else that you encounter. And that's been such a game changer with my attitude and my expectations.
0: Tell people about expectations, how we can look at expectations a little differently.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we're unhappy, it's simply because the expectations in our mind are not matching what's happening in front of us. And to understand that simple equation makes all the difference, because now we can ask ourselves, well, what do I have more control over? Do I have more control over what's happening in the world, or do I have more control over my expectations of the world? And usually the answer is we have more control over our expectations. And oftentimes we feel helpless when we don't feel like we have any control. And being mindful of our expectations and realizing we have power over our expectations is the first step to regaining some of that control, so we feel less helpless. And the moment we have some control and some power, we feel empowered. And then we have an opportunity to start to write our life the way we want to write it.
0: To all the people who wake up in the middle of the night, maybe thinking of something embarrassing that happened to them or something they can't get over, turn to page 85 in the book Unlearn by Humble the Poet. And it says, Get out there, be uncomfortable, make mistakes, get embarrassed. Well, I'll be dead soon. It's not a big deal.
1: It's not a big deal. And it's, you know, that quote. uh it's really paraphrased from my father you know when I told him I wanted to, to, to leave my job and, and become a full time artist you know he pretty much said alright go for it we'll all be dead soon you know do whatever you want <laughs> and it was and at, at the moment he said it and I mean he had he, it, it had just been a year he had just lost his father my grandfather and I felt like that really impacted him where he was like look you know the, we don't know how much sand is in our hourglass and you mm-hmm. know live, live the life you want to live especially if it's not at the expense of anybody else and just realizing that, hey, you know, we spend so much time avoiding our mortality, not realizing the fact that we all have an expiry date is the most liberating idea ever. It means, you know, we can do what we wanted to do because this is all gonna be over one day. And all those, all those memories that we have, you know, where we're kicking ourselves with regret, you know, those aren't the enemy. The reason we have memories is so we can learn from what happened in the past. It's not so the past can haunt us. so if we felt if we still feel haunted by our past it's because we haven't taken the time to learn from it. And so I, I would tell people, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, and still kicking yourself over a mistake you made five months ago, you know, pull out a piece of paper and a pen or open up the laptop and start writing about it. write about what happened, write about your thoughts about it, write about your feelings, and things are going to start to reveal themselves. This isn't magical or mystic. This is just simply visiting something that we're avoiding and we're going to start to learn from it. And when you learn from it, you'll be grateful it happened. And then once you're grateful it happened, you won't be afraid to get embarrassed and make a mistake again. I I do it all the time. That's great And, you know, that's how I got here. I got here by making mistakes and I'm okay making mistakes. And I look forward to making more mistakes. I don't want anybody to be listening to this interview thinking I'm some kind of self-help guru. I'm I'm just a guy who, who puts words together very well and who likes making mistakes, and then sharing the lessons he learned with other people, and realizing that we're all in the same boat, we all are dealing with the exact same things, So if I can bring service to people by helping them put these heavy emotions into words and make it feel a little bit lighter, then, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity.
0: Humble the Poet, Unlearn is the book I had lunch with a girlfriend the other day who homeschools her young children. And she says when the kids get too caught up in what's going on in their world, she reminds them that somewhere in the universe there's a mommy whale singing a song to a baby whale. And oh, so right. I said that's such a humble the poet thought because you t- you write about you know, getting um, too wrapped up in being the center of our own universe.
1: yeah, completely. I, and I mean, as children, at one point, we all had that and it, wasn't, it was involuntary. I learned this as a teacher, you know, children have a center of the universe complex, but it's not because you know they're selfish little jerks, it's because they're kids and their brain is still developing. So, you know, our brains develop until we're 25. So sometimes we do believe that the world revolves around us and we're all living our own little Truman Show. But as we get older, we have to realize that, no, we're part of something much bigger and we're actually happier when we realize and we feel that we're part of something bigger, that's why we 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 watch our sports teams at the arena, that's why we go to concerts and sing with the crowd, uh, that's why we fall in love. We want to be become a part of something bigger than what we are. And when we start to look at ourselves simply as an individual all the time, we run the risk of kind of falling into this existential dread, and we also fall into this uh, the risk of isolating ourselves from everybody else. And then when we have a problem, like you know we, we go through a breakup. We start to believe that no one has ever gone through this pain except for us, even though there's a million heartbreak songs out there. And it's it's, it's very, you know, it's it's something that we need to continually remind ourselves that, hey, we're not alone. And It was the same thing with me when I was going through my my most challenging times. I thought I was the only one. and I was falling into a a pit of self-pity and feeling sorry for myself, being like, nobody understands what I went through. But the moment I, I shared my vulnerability with the rest of the world, or anybody who was paying attention at the time, the first thing I realized was, wow, they've gone through it as well. And when we, we've we gotten this far as a species by sharing our stories. And when we share our stories, somebody else can be like, hey, I've been through the same thing, did you try this? And when we share our knowledge and our experiences, you know, amazing things happen. So I encourage people that to get out there, connect with other people, you know, whether it's joining a club, whether it's talking to strangers on the street, whether it's typing out your story on Facebook or on Instagram. Just share your story and, and connect with the people that relate to it, because we're all in the same boat.
0: Humblethepoet.com. What else do people need to know this morning?
1: you gotta find me on social media at Humble the Poet I take pictures of my beautiful beard and I put them everywhere <laughs> and, uh, people will appreciate that it's, it's, it's an easy way to enjoy your day staring at my beard
0: staring at your beard do you ever put flowers in there?
1: I have I actually have a music video on YouTube called I Will so Humble the Poet I Will just I-W-I-L-L and uh, the, the theme of the video is actually an homage to the 1979 film The Warriors where everybody was in these aesthetic gangs and I actually created a flower gang And in that I got, I have flowers growing out of my beard.
0: Go see the video. HumbleThePoet.com, too. His book is Unlearn. Love him. Hi, it's Casey Shining on with you at a half-day retreat May 25th the Mohegan Lake. Plus, we have two inspirational weekend vacations planned for July and August. Come, please. Casey.co has more. Now, are you living with the labels someone else gave you? Laura Gassner-Odding can help you break free of those in Limitless...
2: How are you?
0: I'm great. Who should we be ignoring?
2: We should be ignoring everybody, all of those people that tell us what success is be for us, what we need to do, what we must do, what we have to do, because they're just defining it as what may or may not make sense for them without really knowing what makes sense for us. How do we know
0: what makes sense for us?
2: Well, I think we have to start by imagining all of those things that we do when we're at our very best, when we're really enjoying what we're doing, when the what we do matches the who we are so that we're in consonance, we're in alignment, we're in flow, because that's really when we are our very best. And when we're doing... That work, we're so energized, we're so happy, and we're able to put everything that we have into what we want to do. You know, you can't be insatiably hungry for somebody else's goals. And the only way that you can figure out the goals that make sense for you are to really think about where you do want to spend that time, where you're willing to get knocked down and get back up and continue to work, because that's really the thing about what you're passionate.
0: Give me an example of what it looks like in someone's life when they're in that flow, state, happy place you were talking about.
2: About. You know, we have all of this time when we think about, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so exhausted, I'm doing too much. And I would argue that the the, the busy is not really what exhausts us. It's the space in between the busy. It's the code shifting from the person you are at work to the person you are at home and back and forth and back and forth all day long. That's really where we get exhausted. And so what it feels like to be limitless is literally to, 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 to not have these limits placed on us where we have to, you know, put on different clothes or put on a different mental state or put on, you know, use different words um, in each of these places. And we really can be the best of who we are so that who we are at work and who we are at home isn't in balance. It's really in alignment. It's one of those places is building on the other one of those places.
0: What if I'm a free spirit, a hippie at heart, and I work in corporate America? How am I going to do the math with this?
2: Well, I think that's actually one of the reasons why we get it so wrong. We have this idea that we have to find our calling, right? Our purpose, this lofty purpose. And I looked up purpose in the dictionary and the definition of purpose is literally this, the reason for which something is done, right? There's no picture of Mother Teresa feeding the lepers in India. There's no picture of, you know, some judgmental friend wagging her finger at you. If you work in corporate America and what you want to do more than anything else is make lots of money, because maybe you want to buy a beach house and a Maserati. Maybe you want, to get out of debt. Maybe you want to retire early. Maybe you want to take all that money and donate it to curing cancer. It doesn't matter. The only one who decides what your calling is, is going to be you. And the only one who gets a vote in that is you. And the problem is, is that we keep giving votes to people in our lives who shouldn't even have voices. And frankly, sometimes it includes the voices in our own heads, too.
0: Oh, agreed. Agreed. The biggest bully you'll ever find is in between your own two
2: ears. For sure. I mean, <laughs> think about the things that we to ourselves, we would never say that to anybody else, that right. we dump them as a friend immediately, but yet we say these things to ourselves and we accept these limits on who we are, and these limits often come from, like, our fourth grade teacher who might have told us, like, my fourth grade teacher told me I was a really argumentative young woman and that I should become a lawyer, and, you know, you won't be surprised to hear that I told her she was wrong, but I still spent the next ten years creating an educational path that put me in law school until I got there and I turned around one day and I went, wait a minute, what am I doing here. This is not where I want to be. This is not the life that I want. And we all have those people who come into our lives at different points, whether they're teachers when we're young or parents or grandparents or bosses or mentors or coaches who, who sprout these ideas out of their head and get sort of in a passing fancy kind of way. And, and But we take them not just as anecdotal, but we take them as definitional. Then we get into these places throughout our lives where we feel like we can't make changes.
0: And we can, but there are people listening right now saying, but I don't know my calling. So what kind of questions should we ask ourselves to discover and unearth our calling?
2: Well, I think the- first thing to do is to think about what the things are that actually make you happy you know what do you do when are you enjoying your time so you know as I mentioned when are you in this fundamental state of leadership and not leadership with a capital L but we're all leaders to somebody or something in our lives so where are you when you are you are in this place where you're actually really enjoying what you're doing um, are there is there is there a, a business that you're, you you'd love to build or a, a problem that you want to solve or a societal ill that you you'd like to, you know, get really into the into the meat of, um, is it a family that you want to raise? What is the thing that if you just said, you know, if I just stopped listening to everybody else, if I just said, you know, screw the Joneses, you know, the people that with their perfectly fancy Facebook, you know, pictures of their first day of school, if I just stopped listening to them, how could I actually do what I want to do, if I stopped worrying about what everybody else thought. And so the, the, the real first thing is to think about is there something, is there like a, a, an energy, a something, or people that you see that are doing things that you go, God, that looks so interesting. And then don't say the second half of the, the statement, which we always say, which is but I could never do it.
0: You can do it. You are limitless. That's the book by Laura Gassner-Odding. Let me know if you'd like a copy. Email me from the website k-a-c-e-y dot Hi, it's Casey, and I'll be back at the Open Center in August, training you on how to be a great guest on the radio. Check out the Mindful MBA Vitamin R Series at the Open Center in New York. It starts, actually, May 29th. I'll be joining in on the tail end, teaching people how to be great radio guests. And the last time I spoke at the Open Center, I found a great radio guest in Tara Sroka, an end-of-life planner who was here with five end-of-life myths. She's on a mission, and her mission is to bring death into life. Myth number one, hospice isn't just for the final days.
3: People think that you go to hospice toward the end of life, within a few days, and that's not true. You can go to hospice within six months of a terminal diagnosis or being close to death. And I think people don't really think about that. I think they wait to the end. And there's so many benefits of going to hospice. They can get the care they need. So I would love to just, you know, people to really wrap their brain around that and just, you know, have that availability to them, just they they can use that resource. And it really helps families. It helps the patient. There's so much more to it, so much care and support that people can get from hospice that I don't think people really realize.
0: And another um, myth?
3: Um, embalming. You do not need to embalm a body. You'd have to have a quicker turnaround time for your funeral. There's not a longer Preservation. time you... For preservation, exactly.
0: I thought it was like a New York state law or something that you had to be embalmed. No, it's not illegal. It's your right to
3: choose it. You know, you don't have to. And definitely for green burials that are becoming more popular, you you can't embalm because they want everything all natural and be biodegradable to go back into the earth. Myth
0: number three, please.
3: Home funerals. You do not have to go to a funeral parlor. You can have a home funeral in your house. You can, you know, keep your deceased loved one in your house. You do have to notify the authorities and have, in most states, a licensed funeral director overseeing it but you can have a home funeral and it's a wonderful option that people have so you can spend your last couple of days with your loved one in your home have any type of rituals or any special time that you want to say goodbye people should really know that they have that as an option to them myth number four mm-hmm. you can shop around and ask for prices at funeral homes funeral homes you know if you ask them for prices they are required to give it to you if you ask now usually in times of crisis or when somebody dies you don't have the time to do that so that's definitely why I'm all about pre-planning and thinking ahead so you can do that in advance all right I think we're up to number five You don't need a casket. This blew my mind recently. It depends on the type of burial that you're going to have, but you can rent a casket if you're going to be cremated. You can use a wooden box. You can use a shroud or wicker basket, especially with green burials. Any vessel that is biodegradable, non-toxic, and a sustainable material for green burial will work. So a lot of people have been choosing shrouds and wicker baskets and even a wooden box that the family can decorate with photos and words of love on there to really make it personal to them. So you don't have to buy an expensive casket Just depending on what you're going to be doing What type of service you're going to have
0: Wow, you know, I bet the funeral directors love you (laughs) <laughs> I know. I know. I know. This is amazing, though. You don't need a casket. You can rent a casket. You can do it in your home. You don't have to be embalmed. This is amazing information. We're talking mm-hmm. to Tara Sroka. Bringing Death Into Life is her website. She is an end of life planner. Let's talk about going green in the funeral industry. What do we need to know there?
3: Going green is really, you know, a lot of people are thinking about the environment and they want to do something to give back. So there's a lot of green funeral options in New York it just goes back to the earth it's really just about giving back and you become part of the earth and you know a tree can grow from you and be there for hundreds and hundreds of years it's just the option now that something totally different is available to people instead of the traditional
0: burial we can compost ourselves
3: yes you can finally
0: let's talk about uh, some things that you can do with ashes that maybe we haven't thought about one that I love the most
3: is turning your ashes into a diamond which I think is fascinating and I love the idea um, also, keepsake jewelry. You can have a necklace where you contain some people, you know, loved ones' ashes. I thought that was really special, so you can hold them close to your heart. Um, there's glass art. One that I particularly love that I think is on my list is when I am cremated is to make an hourglass out of all your ashes. So <gasps> That's a yeah. great idea. pretty interesting just because it just goes back to the whole idea of, like, time and the life cycle, and I just love that idea about the hourglass used with your ashes.
0: Tara, you're a young woman. What got you into the end of life business?
3: A couple years ago, my mom was diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer and it really changed my life. During that whole time, I was filled with a lot of fear and a lot of dread and I didn't have conversations that I wish I had had with her. I was really filled with fear and not knowing and not wanting to just really accept everything. And after her passing, I was on a long, long journey and I realized that I should have had these conversations, that I just let fear overtake my life. And I really want to help other people have these conversations way in advance plan things way in advance, and be open. I want to break the taboo of talking about death, Had a little fun with it. I hate to break it to everybody, but we're all going to die. We're all going to go through this. And I think if we're open about it and honest, we can kind of break the stigma and the fear around it. So I've just kind of landed in it, you know, where I'm a human and we've experienced death. And I think just having this really close death in my life affected it. And I want to bring more meaning to my life and to help other people bring more meaning to theirs.
0: Tara Sroka, End of Life Planner bringingdeathintolife.com. Contact Tara to explore more. She has found her unique niche in the world. Our thought for the day goes back to our first guest, Humble the Poet, who said on page 135 of his book, Unlearn, we each have an awesome uniqueness within us, and we could probably use those individual traits to benefit others and ourselves. Shine on